Big Thinking, celebrating 175 years of Bradley College with fascinating speakers from our community. Good evening and welcome to our latest Big Thinking talk. One is one of a series of TED style talks developed to get us considering what our future world might look like. These talks are designed to reveal the breadth of thinking that sits within the Radley community and feature perspectives from Dons, Old Radleyans, Radley parents and Radley boys. The aim is to inspire and to challenge and to encourage us all to reflect on our future world. Our speakers have been asked to share their most authentic thoughts on whatever they feel most strongly about. So prepare for the unexpected. And now, stepping up to our virtual podium, I would like to introduce Professor Tom Shakespeare, who is a social scientist and bioethicist, an academic who writes, talks and researches mainly about disability. Tom broadcasts regularly on BBC Radio 4 and has been elected a fellow of the British Academy. He will discuss the rise of remote working and the benefits and limitations that it has brought for him and wider society. After his talk, he will be questioned by 6'2 senior academic prefect Russell Kwok, who will put him through his paces. And he will also direct any questions from the chat function to Tom on your behalf. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Tom. Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much, Caroline. And it's really great to be able to talk with you. Um, I've got a bit of a lisp of the day because I had a tooth pulled out. So please forgive me. I'm a little bit less uh, coherent than I normally am. Um, so um, welcome to my world. This is where I work. This is my desk. And uh, to my left are my books. And behind me, more books uh, piled up. Um, because for COVID, of course, I've been working at home, as have many people, um, from educators to researchers, uh, anybody really in the knowledge economy. Um, and during COVID, I did a whole project about disabled people's experience of COVID. And guess what? I did all the interviews um, online through Zoom and things like that. Some were telephone or email, but most were online encounters just like this one. And uh, with my team of uh, researchers, we interviewed, I think, about um, 70 people and 20 people from organizations twice. So we did something like 150 interviews um, in, in a year. Now, I don't know if anybody has any interest in a career in, in academia, but to do 150 interviews in a year would be really hard, and especially because you would have to travel. And so I might spend a whole day coming to interview you. But if I'm doing it online, quite obviously, I could do several a day. I don't have to travel anywhere. Um, I um, have more energy to do the interview. Um, and also, you can do an interview whenever you like, eight o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock at night. We can arrange it because it's so easy. Um, and it transformed uh, my experience of doing research. Previously, I'd been to where people lived or my team had, and sometimes, you know, in the midst of nowhere. Now, as long as they were online, had a smartphone or uh, internet connection, I could talk to them. Uh, via Zoom. Um, and at the moment, finished that project about dementia, about disability and COVID-19. And I'm doing an evaluation uh, at the moment with a friend of a project called Dementia Voices. And this is a whole network of groups and individuals with dementia. Um, they're early onset and usually dementia. And how do I talk to them? I talk to them on Zoom. And it's so easy. I just set up a uh, uh, an interview today with a lady who lives in Northern Ireland. 
And just think, I live in London. To go to Northern Ireland, I'm either flying, which is a terrible impact on the environment, or I'm going by train and, and change it, Hollyhead, to a boat and all the rest of it. It's complicated. Not wrong, but complicated. And it would certainly take a couple of days. So all of those interviews are, uh, uh, are done on Zoom. And so it's transformed my life. And I imagine in future, all my interviews will be on Zoom. Why would I go? And this is a question we're asking tonight. Why would you be face to face? Would it improve things? And of course, I'm an academic and it's different uh, being an academic. It's not like everything else. Um, you know, I can give my lectures like this. I can do my interviews like this. I can be more intimate or more didactic. I don't really need to see your feet to know that you're there. And I hope you're there. Um, so what about other people? They're not all academics. Well, a lot of people work in the knowledge economy. Um, a lot of people now, because of COVID, work from home. And they might go into the office. They might go into the office maybe one or two days a week. My employer, London School of Hygiene Tropical Medicine, wants us to come into the office twice a week. So I came in yesterday and the day before I went to work. It's quite tiring. Much nicer to wear my tracky bottoms and stay at home all day. Um, but academics, civil servants, a lot of civil servants I work with at uh, Foreign Commonwealth Development Office, I mean, they're all, I, I, I couldn't believe how informal they were because all the meetings were on teams or whatever it might be. Um, uh, what about other white collar workers? What about people um, across the uh, private sector, public sector, voluntary sector? Many people work at home um, and go into the office one or two days a week at most. My partner is a, a CEO of a voluntary group um, and they were all over England working with young people about mental health. And she goes into the office, I think, a couple of days a week. The rest of the time, of course, she works very hard from home. She has her meetings from home. So my experience as an academic is not unusual. Many people. Now, of course, by no means all people. And for frontline workers, you know, in healthcare, um, in retail, in shops, um, in, in teaching, uh, in transport, uh, in security, lots and lots of occupations, you have to be there. You can't do it remotely. Um, so things like hybrid workplace doesn't mean much to them. But where they, I, I, my, I, I remember my friend who's a, a, a doctor at Great Ormond Street, and she said it was great during COVID because there's nobody around and you, you know, nobody bothered you and it was like an empty city. And most of us were staying at home. She had to go to work because children are sick and need treatment, um, regardless of a COVID crisis. Um, McKinsey, the management consultancy, say, and I'm quoting them now, flexibility is the new amenity employees want, especially those in diverse groups, and they will embrace it if you offer it. And they did a survey, McKinsey did a survey, and they found more than four out of five respondents who worked in hybrid models over the past two years of COVID, preferred to retain them in future. Um, and of course, hybrid work, that is sometimes being at home, sometimes being in a workplace, has the potential to offer flexibility, which is what everybody wants, better work-life balance, uh, and a more tailored uh, uh, employee experience. And I, I want us to think today about what it is, what is different, um, 
uh, yeah, I was thinking as I went and liquidized my soup before I talked to you that actually a lot of sourdough baking has gone on during the lockdown period. And it went on because to bake sourdough, you need to stretch it and fold it and stretch it and fold it, leave it, come back, leave it, stretch it and fold it, put it in the fridge, put it baked. You need to do a lot of things to sourdough bread. And of course, when you work from home, you can do that. When you work in an office, you cannot. You have to only do it at weekends. So a lot of things that have, uh, uh, you know, lots of people have got dogs over lockdown. Well, you can't have a dog if you're in the office for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. But you can if you're working from home and you take the dog out and then you come back and do some work and you take the dog out at lunchtime and maybe in the evening before, uh, after you finish work. So it changes our lifestyle. It changes what we do. Um, I realized I went to work, I told you this week, uh, two days a week, um, and I found that I did much less work at work. Now, why was that? Well, I spent more time talking to people. I drank more coffee. I sat around more. Um, and whereas when I'm at home, I know how many hours I've got to work and I, I work those hours. And if I take a break for lunch, I subtract that. And if, if somebody comes around for a cup of coffee, I subtract that because I'm I'm employed. I need to do what I'm employed to do. So uh, arguably, I actually work harder at home than I would normally do if I went into the office for eight hours. I wouldn't do eight hours actual work. I do a few hours of chatting. And now you could say that's unproductive. Actually, that chatting is very useful because it's chatting to different people, as you know, where you maybe have uh, many people coming together to brainstorm, um, to come up with new ideas. Or maybe it's just one person at the coffee uh, uh, kettle or the, or the water cooler who goes, actually, why don't we do it like this? And so you do come up, I think, with more ideas if you are, if certainly in this sort of workplace, if you meet together. Um, so I think that's useful. Um, many of my colleagues, many of my people who work with me and for me are young people. I mean, I'm 56 or whatever age it is. I'm old. But people who are in their 20s um, often can't. I, I have a whole flat here. It's wonderful. I have two bedrooms. I have a kitchen. I can sit, you know, all the rest of it. Most young people do not. They might share a, 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 a house. So it might be four or five people, uh, you know, with a bedroom each in their house, or they might live in a bedsit. But either way, they don't have the space I have. And therefore, coming to work for them is really important. They don't want to work in their bedroom, and they much prefer coming to work, doing the work, and going back home. So I do think it depends on your living situation. Where And, and also, as we know, small children are noisy. So you might want to leave them and go to the office so that you can get some work done. I don't have small children. My children have grown up, so it's not a problem. Um, and it does affect these different age groups and those different needs differently. Um, so so that's that. I think that's very interesting. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is not because I'm a great expert in it, but because I want you to think what you want. How do you work best? Do you work best when you're with somebody else and bouncing ideas off? Or maybe just, you know, doing your prep quietly, getting on with your work, but you know other people are around working and that makes you better. And maybe you're, you know, maybe you're lazy and you're terrible at timekeeping. 
um, and and you you prevaricate all the time or procrastinate all the time. Um, uh, so you you have to think what you're like. Would you prefer to work at home or would you prefer to go to work? How much would you like to go to work? Because uh, when you look for your jobs after uh, um, university, um, if you go to university, then those are the sort of questions that you're going to have to, oh, this employer expects us to be in five days a week. I'm not sure I could do that. That employer expects us to work from home. That's better for me. Well, it may or may not be, but I'm saying to you that I want you to start thinking where you do your best work, where you get your best ideas. Could you imagine, uh, yeah, what's the problem of spending all your time at home? What's the problem of spending all your time in the office? Um, uh, and for me, at my stage of life, how do you manage a team when they're not all there? Does it matter how far away they are? Because my people are mainly across London, but I've, I've got a colleague in Glasgow. Is that a problem? Can I work? Oh, I don't see why it's a problem. We do all our work on Zoom and Teams. So, yeah, Glasgow, uh, 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 Stepney, it doesn't matter. Um, what's quite interesting is that my work is in disability and development. So I have a lot of colleagues in uh, Malawi and Zimbabwe and Sierra Leone and, and Nigeria and Bangladesh and all the rest of it. And in the old days, I'd have gone there. I'd have flown there and I'd have not overseen them, but I'd discussed with them and what we're going to do, and then they'd have probably done it, but they'd have had me putting my input in. But during COVID, of course, we couldn't do that. And for years, we could not travel. And so we are forced to trust people. And we're forced to say, all right, this is what we think you might want to do. What do you want to do? Yeah, we, we're, we're forced to have um, different sort of partnerships. And in fact, I was saying um, to uh, to 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 uh, Karen Monahan that actually I'd just been to uh, Zimbabwe and to Malawi uh, a few months ago in September, and I actually met my colleagues there for the first time because I've been working with them for three years, but we never met. So it's lovely, you know. There's a lot of seeing and a lot of 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 of, of the value of meeting people, but actually. I think it'd be quite useful to have to let them get on with it, have to trust them, have a different sort of relationship. Um, finally, I want to say something about, I'm sorry, you probably don't think of uh, people like me and older people, but this lockdown, this working from home does have implications. Um, economic activity in adults has risen sharply since 2020. So um, something like uh, in the population, um, uh, uh, 3.6 million people aged between 50 and 64, that's 27.6% are economically inactive. And that's a rise of nearly 2.5% since the uh, beginning of COVID. So a lot of people are, are sort of reassessing how much they want to work, um, whether they want to retire, um, whether they want really to take this opportunity to do something different. Uh, there's a piece in the paper about a guy and he'd been a university lecturer and he thought, no, I want to do Outward Bound. I want to do Duke of Edinburgh. And so he uh, now leads uh, young people in expeditions up mountains and so forth um, to get their Duke of Edinburgh badges. He doesn't sit in a classroom teaching people anymore. And he thought at the age of 50 something, now's my chance. I'm going to change it. And I think that is quite interesting 
that a lot of people aged between 50 and 64 um, are either, well, they might have retired, they might have changed their occupation, um, they might have downsized, and they might have um, a long COVID. Of course, they might not be well. Um, uh, they might have been very stressed, and that's why they don't want to, to, to work. Um, a lot of people want to retire, um, but the second biggest reason that they give for not working is I don't want to work anymore. Um, so, you know, for, for lots of people over 50, that's that's very relevant. Um, and so that kind of raises the question of pensions. I know you don't think about pensions, but um, do, do we have a situation where you basically either you're on a sick, your, your pension off or you work? Or can we have a situation where we have flexibility and where you can do a bit of work, you work a day or two a week because you're capable of that, you want to do that, you want to stay in touch, but you don't want to um, uh, uh, complete, uh, you, you, you don't or you can't work five days a week. So I think there is a lot of potential. There's a lot of possibilities for working differently, um, for coming and going, for leaving the workforce early um, if you want. And I think that Radlians, this is your life. This is what you're going to do or are doing at the moment. Um, I left Radley in 1983. And I think at that time, you know, we had very traditional ideas about what the workplace of the future uh, uh, would be like. You know, it was basically our, our, our mums and dads had worked in it and they told us what it was like. And, and sure enough, we joined it. But now I think the workplace of the future will be very different. There are lots of other changes that I'm not qualified to discuss. Things like AI. AI in white collar industries is really developing. And so that will change the work you do and how you do it and who you do it with. Uh, but I think also COVID and long COVID, but also um, working from home, lockdown has really changed things. So I'm very interested um, to know, I'm not, I'm not billing myself as an expert, but I am very interested to know what you want and how you're going to get it, if you like. Um, and uh, yeah, what you think about the change world you're in. So I'm going to stop there, Russell, over to you. And um, let's take it from here. Thank you very much, Tom, for such a wonderful talk. It's been particularly interesting to hear how long-standing and outstanding the effects of remote working are. Uh, so we've got 20 minutes or so for some of your questions, which you can put into the chat. Um, while you do so, I might start by asking the first question. Um, so a year ago, there was some controversy generated um, from a few Goldman Sachs analysts who complained that online work was too stressful and they were working in excess of 100 hours a week. Given the immediate availability of the internet and working from home, how do you think remote work will affect the mental health of people in the future? And how can people draw a line between their personal lives and protect against burnout and stress? Yeah, I think that's a really cool question, Russell. Thanks for asking that. Um, and I, my experience, and I, I'm sorry to talk about my experience, but, you know, I'm an academic. I'm an expert in what I talk about. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm here talking. Uh, well, I'm not talking about disability, but I could be. But what happened in lockdown is suddenly people are asking from all over the world. People are asking from Australia. People were asking from New York University. People are asking from Kenya. And of course, why not? I can just go to my Zoom and we just have to schedule a time. 
and away we go. Or maybe I sit in the other room because I've got books that look more important. And I record a little video and I send it to them. And then I discovered that they want a video and then they want you to answer questions as well. So they're getting the best of both worlds, if you like. Um, but I agree with you um, that there is a danger that, yes, of course, I can work at eight o'clock at night. Of course, I can work at eight o'clock in the morning. I can do my talk. I wouldn't have done that normally. And, you know, my colleague at uh, New York University, you said, look, come and teach class for me. Um, uh, you know, I, I, you know that, that I, I, they wouldn't have flown me out to New York to teach that class. But because it's all online, they can. And I think your point is that um, whether whatever industry you're in, basically, you could work all day. You could, you know, apart from sleep and getting a sandwich, there's no reason why you couldn't work. And those other areas of life, exercise, relationships, friendships, could uh, decrease in importance. So I think it's really important. No, Nobody is standing over you with a stopwatch. But for you to say, no, I don't do this, or I don't turn on the computer at night, or I'm only going to do one talk a week or one talk a month, um, or yes, um, I know that there's a regular uh, meeting at, at, at whatever time, but I'm not going to be there because it's three o'clock in the morning in the UK and I'm not prepared to do that. And I think that, you know, knowing your rights and you and people do have rights and particularly if they're in a trade union, they have rights, but also knowing yourself, knowing what you're prepared to do and knowing what your, your if you like, your your weaknesses are. Because some people are workaholics and they just want to, yeah, they, they're really keen to work all the time. And I think it's as important to say to workaholics, stop, this is not helping you and you cannot continue this forever, um, as it is to chivy along um, slightly more lazy people who might, you know, you might go, hang on a minute, it's nine o'clock, you should be at work by now. Um, you, you know, both humans are capable of both and other uh, 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 diversions. The trouble is that with uh, working from home, it's up to you. And maybe there'll be a new um, uh, popularity of, of job coaches and managers will have to be different in order to be able to say to people, now, tell me about your hours. And I don't think I'd have done that before, but maybe now I should uh, because I don't want people to work too much. I want them to have a, a, a proper life because that work-life balance is so important. Back to you, Russell. Yeah, um, I agree, um, especially after like many months of online school. Um, yeah. I was wondering, like, would this issue and other health issues, like perhaps if you do a lot of remote working, your eyes might um, not be, be damaged, would that cause a decrease or increase in productivity, in the general productivity which um, remote working offers? And how should businesses react to that? I think a lot, I mean, there's some questions in the chat as well. A lot of businesses thought back to work, back to the office. We want you back to the office. But, uh, you know, I think that it's very difficult to recruit these days. Um, at the moment, there's a very tight labor market. And I think that um, that means that a, a, a worker can be a bit picky. And they might say, no, I don't want to work for you because you insist on me being here five days a week. And, or they might say, I, I live in London, the workplace is in Sheffield, and I'm not, you know, I will work from home three days a week and I'll come into the office two days a week or whatever. And I think at the moment, 
workers can um, uh, uh, bargain for what they want because of the tightness of the labour market. Now, the labour market goes through swings and roundabouts. It won't always be tight. And there will come a time when uh, employers will be able to say, no, you've got to be here. But it's not now. And the question is, you know, somebody said in the chat, is this like, can you in the on the beach, you know, that, you know, can you demonstrate that he could not control the waves, uh, even though he was high and mighty? You know, they would have their inevitable toing and froing. And maybe workers are like the waves, that so they will do what they will do. Um, and this, you know, in a way, it makes a, 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 a dilution of the control. Um, I mean, my, my workplace say, come in twice a week, come in two days a week. They can't control that. They're not, they're not, you know, they, they're not going to sack me if I don't go in two days this week. As long as I do my work, as long as nobody complains about my output. Um, so I think that in the past, your output, you, you know, the, the sort of proxy for what you did would be your hours. So you are, you know, you're always there from nine to five or maybe from nine till nine, you know, because that presenteeist culture in certain industries. Um, but now it will be actually, did you achieve, you know, have you set your goals and achieved your goals or maybe a bit more than your goals? You're a good worker. Um, and, and I think that's that's quite interesting because I'm sure that there were some people who went to work and didn't achieve as much as others who went to work and worked very hard and, and, and did loads. But in future, they might be judged, actually, did you meet these tasks? Not, did you work for three uh, three more hours than, than you should have been? Um, as somebody in the chat talked about Elon Musk saying uh, people need to come into the office. Well, in some industries they might, but by no means all. Um, so uh, I, I do think that, uh, yeah, that he won't get his way on that one. Um, so you talked about like the labor market's quite strong now, but if the labor market weakens, which it probably will, um, yeah. with like a recession coming up, um, and if companies like start taking advantage of workers to work from home, do you think the government needs to intervene or do you think it's going to work out by itself? Well, I mean, I think that um, I, I suspect that if you work from home, it's even more important for you to know your rights, to know what your contract says, and possibly to join a trade union, because you would be on your own otherwise. You would have nothing to, to say what you should be doing and, 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 and what not. And I don't know, do you think you're more likely to be bullied if you are uh, working on your own from home? Do you think cyberbullying from a boss that is saying, now, come on, I expect more of you? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I don't have enough experience of of of, of different um, workplaces. I'm, you know, I can wax lyrical about the joys of working from home, but equally, I know that sometimes I, I really value meeting people and bouncing ideas off people. So, I think that um, some things. I mean, like a meeting. I mean, I don't know about staff meetings, but. Or, or what your students get up to. But, uh, you know, why would you ever sit in a room with a bunch of people having a meeting ever again? It's a complete waste of time. And it's much quicker to share the, share the news, share the ideas, share the, you know, I've got to tell you about this with um, a Teams meeting. But other things, so I think we'll begin to really value 
what face-to-face can do and other things will just leave to you know teams meetings or uh, at nine o'clock on a Monday morning or whatever and um, so we'll differentiate and I think we'll be much more picky about what we're trying to achieve and how we're trying to achieve it and so you talked about like how it would be um very good for ideas to be in the office and for like especially for young people how can they learn from their peers their older peers and colleagues um if they're not working in the office and how can they build company loyalty or company or learn the company culture if they're not in the office well i think that's why they'd have to meet sometimes i think that's why and the things like maybe away days and because you learn about the ways that the people work together on things like away days on things like um team meetings or whatever so yeah i suspect those will be very important but it'll be i think it'll be more differentiated and like i think you talked about loyalty um russell and i think loyalty um will be given to uh employers that are flexible employers that understand people's different work life needs um and are flexible in in trying to meet those um so uh i i think that's in future and i think you're right the labor market will not always be like it is now um although you know brexit has made it much more difficult to get workers for many roles in britain but let's say that it becomes uh, it favors the employer in future um maybe by then this will be taken for granted it has seemed a temporary two year blip but maybe in future and this is what i'm suggesting like ai it will change and 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 employers will have to say well actually i expect you to be in work you know eight days a month um the meetings will always be on a tuesday um come in for those because i like to see you face to face rest of the time i'm going to trust you and i think it's that element of trust um uh, yeah we're all grown ups um and the more you you know maybe at radley you know you're you have to go to classes and you have to go what well, but what you will learn um or discover when you get it cambridge or oxford or st andrews or or harvard or wherever you go there's nobody standing over you you're either past the grade do the work or not and if you don't you'll be thrown out and so it, it's very much your responsibility once you're at university to to manage your time to prioritize to you know and if you if you spend all the time playing pinball you will be thrown out and so um i suspect that that sort of um personal responsibility ethos will be the workplace of the future in the sense that look yeah we will monitor maybe there'll be better monitoring in terms of your productivity your output but if you don't you know if you don't do it then we will change will you know get rid of you or maybe uh, manage you a lot more closely and maybe it'll be a privilege to work from home and like it has been in the past more senior people were able to work from home more but maybe this working at home will be a privilege and it can be taken away and it could be said no if you want to work for us um we want you to come in and you have to do that and um do people need um do companies need to train new employees to work from home to time manage to keep um to to know how to work healthily from yeah 
And, yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm sure timekeeping, time management, uh, prioritization. I mean, I'm terrible at prioritization. Um, I spend a lot of time on what interests me and not enough time on what I should do, um, or sometimes. Um, uh, yeah, and the thing that's very important, but not urgent, you know, I've, I'm meant to be writing an academic book. Have I written it? No. When will I write it? Over Christmas. Uh, because it's so quiet and there are no demands. And that's when you can write a book. But um, I, I think that, uh, I think it would be really helpful for time management to be taught and um, for there to be more, you know, maybe at places like Radley, where they, and where they say, you know, how do you prioritise? How do you manage your time? And I remember when I was in run-up to exams at Radley, um, you know, I, 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 my revision timetable was very well organized and all the rest of it. But teaching people those skills, a lot of what universities do, a lot of undergraduate um, uh, uh, study skills, revision skills, time management skills, they are being taught in universities. But why aren't are they being taught in Radley? And I think they should be. Because as you say, Russell, the workplace of the future will need people who are able to say, right, I'm going to do that and then that and you know, be responsible and autonomous. I think that I mean, they're not all industries, not all workforces, not all workplaces. But I think, you know, the ones that increasingly are high status and a high reward, you will have to um, make those decisions yourself, I think. And do you think um, universities will need to change the skills which their graduates would need to have for a, a hybrid work environment? Yeah, no, I think I think they will. I think they will. Um, I think that um, teaching online is really difficult um, uh, uh, because you can't because teaching demands interaction, doesn't it? And, you know, uh, you, you can just I can just be online, but, you know, put a little bit of film. A, a friend of mine was saying about um, a, a student and he realized that his brother had walked past in exactly the same way three times in a row and at that point he realized that he wasn't looking at student at all he was looking at a video that the student had, had, had taken and had put up to I don't know what they were doing um, to, to shield what they were doing um, I think that uh, yeah teaching um, uh, will benefits from interaction uh, because that's the way you understand what people learn what they don't understand and what they need more explanation of. And that's the way you you bounce ideas about and you get people thinking for themselves. And, yeah, I think there will be, uh, A, there'll be roles like that. But I think that, it, it, I think places like Radley, places like university will be teaching people that, maybe in the way that they expect them to learn. I remember back in the day, I don't know if Radley still does it, the Warden's English Grammar paper, the Wedge paper, and it was all about the difference between words which were similar, or it was about when to use the possessive apostrophe or whatever. And that's never left me. That's been really useful in my life. And I think that maybe, um, like the Warden's English Grammar paper, uh, we'll be uh, teaching um, students of tomorrow the skills they need to, to survive in a workplace where, yes, you're right, they have to prioritise for themselves. They have to uh, time manage for themselves. They have to decide work-life balance for themselves. And these, you know, these are, these are, you know, in the old days, if you look at the films, um, you know, you check in, you put your card in the thing, and then you work and you take the lunch break and then you go home at five and that's it, easy. 
Not like that anymore. And um, so it's crucial for managers to build and maintain strong human relations in their team. And because like we're virtual working, there's a, there's a major uh, difference. So how can managers spot signs of stress or any issues with their employees? But I mean, I, I'm not sure I accept your premise. I don't think it's impossible to do it. For example, yeah, my, my, the staff that work directly for me, um, we have to do a, a PDR, a personal development review with them once a year where they set goals and they talk about the year gone by and all the rest of it. Well, to be honest, it's just as good doing it like this. It's just as good doing it on Zoom. And it might be better because they, they, it, feels more, it feels like they can say more. Um, whereas if they're face to face, they might be a little bit intimidated and it might be more difficult for them to go, well, you know, actually, Tom, yeah, I'm I'm I've had mental health problems or or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. Um, that might be more difficult to confront and express face to face than it is online. So there are I don't think you should assume that we can't have good relations um, uh, online. I think. I think I, I mean, I'm trying to work this out, Russell. I don't know. Um, I'm thinking particularly about a colleague um, who I manage. And we had the PDR online. And it went perfectly fine. Um, and then yesterday we met and she came into my office and shut the door and sat down and chatted. And on that occasion, we were really able to expand a lot more. But the rapport had been developed online. And then when we met, it was like we were friends and colleagues and, and, and we could talk about uh, more things. But I think there's nothing wrong with being online for, for building rapport, I think, um, as long as you prioritize it, as long as you make time for it. And um, a question to do with education. So we've seen recent reports of stunted learning in young children because they had to learn virtually during the pandemic. So how should, how as a society, can we support these children as they find themselves having to round the curve, so to speak? Yeah, I think it's, we've got a whole generation of young people who ha have not been in school for, for two years. Um, yeah, and that's really difficult if it's your prom, but it's even worse um, if, you know, if you have to learn to interact with people. And it might be that, you know, you're used to mum and dad um, and, and maybe a brother or sister, but suddenly you're in a class of, 20 or 30 kids and that's overwhelming and I think that's quite interesting um and and it, it it's I remember maybe you all remember after lockdown when you went out I remember being at Euston Station and um thinking oh my goodness who are all these people it's so busy and it's because I'd spent that was my first outing it was in fact to Salford to record University Challenge um but it was my first outing from home um, for, for two years or something. And so it was really shocking. And I'm, what I'm trying to say is that if you only work at home or as a child or as an adult, then the way that the world works, the noisiness, the busyness, the classrooms, the trains are going to be a shock to you. So I think we do need to do both. I, I'm, I'm not somebody who's saying, OK, retreat from the world, just be monastic. Just live in your home with your family and never go out. I'm, I don't think that's good. But I think that we will work at home more. Um, we won't, I hope, work at home all the time. But when we when we do work, at, when we, you know, maybe half the week or more than half the week, we will be at home. And therefore, it will demand of us new skills 
and a, and, and a, a sense of personal responsibility. But I think the modern world, it, it, is, it does demand a lot of personal responsibility. What you're going to eat, um, you know, what you're going to say, um, how you're going to go online, how you're going to work, what you're going to learn. I met, you know, we talked earlier, Russell, about universities. There's immense choice of universities, but there's immense choice of, of the way you live your life. And I think that's new, that's newer or there's more of it than there was in the past. And have you had any experience with the four-day work week and whether it actually works? Because it's quite a big thing now. Yeah, yeah. I, my son works at the Treasury and he does... Um, I can't remember what they call it, extended hours. So, and he was working late, night after night, and then he realized he'd done way more than his hours. So he just says, right, that's my work, that's my week, four days. And so he, he, instead of doing whatever it is, 37 and a half or 40 hours in five days, he does it in four days, and then he has a day off a week. And that's brilliant um, because, you know, he's not necessarily – at work any any longer but he's having a whole day off a week and uh, you know I, I can't i've i've uh, when I, I went to who for five years 80 percent i had a day off a week um and now in my work i work um 70 70 percent so i have a day and a half off a week and it's great and i don't not do anything i do loads of things i do things like this tomorrow i'm talking to a bunch of six formers about uh, uh, sociology but I'm also going to see the Cezanne exhibition um, during work hours because I only work 80%. And I think that as you get older and paid better, you can afford, I mean, young people can't afford to, to work less than full time. But as you get older and your children leave home and, you know, you may have paid off your mortgage, you can go, well, you know what? I want to work 70% or 80% or 90%. I want to have an afternoon off a week. And it, 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 I can't, I, I really do, I, if, I, I'm sure many people online who are on themselves working um, know the, the benefit of this. And even if you have to work uh, at weekends, that I think working when you don't have to work is a particular joy. Working when you have to work is sometimes not a joy. But if you go, you know what, I'm going to work, um, uh, that's, that can be quite nice, as long as you don't have to. I am very, very lucky. I recognize I'm lucky. I'm basically my own boss. And as long as I do, as long as I don't show the university up or fail in some way to deliver what they expect of me, I can do what I want when I want. Um, and that's a great, that, and most people don't have that. I realize that. Um, but it is, uh, I think, yeah, four day week with five day salary. Yeah. But four long hours, uh, four long days. But why not? I mean, the, I think we're getting, as I said at the start, we're getting away from the idea that you're there at nine and you leave at five or six and that's your work. And we're at much more flexible. Maybe you do your best work in the morning. I've got a friend who's a political philosopher and he says, look, I do all my best work before 11 o'clock in the morning. And the rest of the day, it's kind of meetings and, and things I have to do. But the, in, the intellectual work, the brain work, happens between the hours of maybe 7 and 11. And after that, forget it. And that's quite interesting. And I think a lot of people, maybe it's not mornings for you. Maybe it's night. Maybe you really do your best work between 2 in the morning and 6 in the morning. I don't know. Some people do. I know they do. 
And therefore, the idea that they have to squeeze their working life into nine to five doesn't fit for them. And so I think that diversity, it's no longer one size fits all. Um, but I think a good manager understands what makes their staff tick and how they, they and, and trust them. And, and obviously, staff have to earn their trust by showing that they deliver. But I think once that trust is there between the manager and, and, and the worker, then I think it's terrific. It's good for both sides because the manager can know, right, if I tell Fred to do this, it will be done. And Fred can say, I can do it whenever I like. And I have that freedom of flexibility. And I really value working here. Somebody asked a question about loyalty, but surely you're going to be loyal to an employer that trusts you. You're going to be loyal to an employer that says, you know what, as long as you deliver the goods, you can do it any way you choose. I think that's really great. Um, and I suppose that raises the question of what is the sort of vestigial demand, um, the demand that you come to the meetings or the demand that you um, mentor uh, new staff or, or train or whatever it might be. So there will be some sort of uh, uh, vestigial demands. But I think that for white collar workers, a lot of it might be the rest of the time you decide. Um, and therefore, we should teach or enable people to exercise that autonomy, to be able to decide for themselves and to be responsible about it. Um, and, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, you know, getting drunk or smoking cigarettes. That was the real uh, let me at it. But as you get older, you realize, no, um, you know, it, it, it's it's when your work goes really well, when your relationships go really well where a dinner party goes really well. That's the real joy of life. Um, uh, uh, you know, finishing a novel, uh, writing a novel, I mean, or, or or whatever it might be. That's what gives you satisfaction, not um, not getting drunk or, 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 or smoking cigars. Um, and I think that that level of responsibility, that personal responsibility um, uh, will be more and more important, I think. And um, do you think a company's culture needs to be built in the office or can it be done? Have you seen examples of it being done virtually? I don't know. Um, I'm not, I, I, I find it difficult to answer that question because I don't know. I don't know enough about company culture. I, I basically, you know, university culture is so anarchic. And so, um, you know, I don't think it'd be fair to say there was this university culture and there's that university culture. But what I would, would say about universities is that, um, they stand and fall by their management. And so, you know, you, you, the word gets out and it's, oh, don't work for them. They're really terrible. Or, or you could get a job there, but there's, you know, it's really badly managed or whatever it might be. Or conversely, this is a really good place to work. They will really trust you. They will really enable you to do what's best for them. Because by enabling you to do what's best for you, my argument is you will do best for the for the university or the workplace. Um, so I, I, I don't know enough about company culture. Um, but, you know, what is also the case, and I know this is the case, is that people will not stay all their life in one com company. They will go from company to company. Uh, they will go from university to university. They will go from department to department. Most people will not spend like a career in one place. Some will, but most won't. And if that is the case, then, you know, are we still talking about the same level of company culture? 
what yeah they don't necessarily want a good McKinsey employee they want a good uh, a project manager or a good time manager or a good team player or whatever so th- these are the sort of exportable skills these are the things where on your CV you can say well actually this proves that I'm very good at that or that proves that I'm very good at that and it's no longer I think being I'm a good company man it's a, it's like at this place I learned how to do why and I can show you that I'm really good at it and you need me thank you very much um, I'm conscious of the time so I think uh, I'll give hand back to Mrs Monaghan but thank you very much for your thank you. thank you very much Russell for chairing it so well well thanks to both of you um I think everybody will agree that that was absolutely fascinating so and I know you're both busy Russell's been doing um with Tom you've been here there and everywhere plus being in the virtual and uh Russell's been uh, going through quite a lot of university applications at the moment so I re- we really do appreciate it it was absolutely fascinating thank you we will have another big thinking talk coming up next term But in the meantime, thank you very much for coming. It was lovely to see you all and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for joining us. Check our channels for the latest news and events from the Radley and Society.